Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. couple testimonies. Gina, come up here real quick. Give a, like a 30, 45 second testimony. What has the Lord done in your life? When I first started coming here, I was smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, backslid. I no longer smoke cigarettes. I no longer smoke weed. I can't get enough of this church. Every time the doors open, I want to be here. So God is, God is good. Yes, he has. I also prayed for, for a house because I lived an hour away. God gave me two houses, one for me and my, my family. So we live right beside each other. Hallelujah. So let me hold on just a second. So the addiction totally broke off. How, was it a hard, long process? No, the I don't steps? even want it anymore. It's just like the Lord totally just took it. It changes your life. You don't want the same things. You don't want to watch the same things. You don't want to do the same things. I used to watch the news and soap operas every day. All I watch now is the Shuttlesworths. Hallelujah. (laughs) So the fire came and everything just went in one moment. Yes. And you've just seen the Lord bless you. Yes. And continue to increase you. And it's just the beginning. Every week. Hallelujah. Praise God. Debbie, come on up. I I want you to share a quick testimony. Y'all give her a round of applause. Give a testimony what the Lord's done for you. <laughs> yep. That's Give it about 30, lot. 40 seconds. <laughs> What's lot. he set you free from? Cigarettes. Depression. Obsession over crazy government. Here, hold it closer. There you go. But also, <laughs> I have been praying to ask. I've been asking to walk in faith. And yesterday, <laughs> he showed me. That I was walking in his blessing because I was listening to a sermon yesterday and he was talking about um, if the world looks like it's going crazy around you and you're sitting there in perfect peace, then you know you're walking in his blessing. And I just, my heart swelled. My tears hit my eyes and I just went into praising the Lord. It was Hallelujah. Amazing. And I'm learning how to use his authority. Hallelujah. So the Lord set you free from addiction. I mean, was that a hard, long, slow process? <laughs> On my own strength, it was yeah. impossible. When he took it, it was Gone. done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ian, come up here real quick. Give about a 30, 40 second testimony. What has God done for you? Uh, well, when I started coming here, I had uh, depression, like major depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts like constantly like they would not go away and I was doing a whole bunch of different drugs basically anything I could get my hands on and now here I am (laughs) yeah set free praise God Sam will you come up and I want you to just give a quick testimony about what happened 
earlier in the year when the Lord touched your body and, and you had been to Afghanistan and you had been, right, something had happened, a mine had blown up, you had shrapnel all in your body and for, you said for the first time in how many years? Here you go. Just keep it about 30 seconds, bro. In 07. You got to use this so online can hear you. I hate microphones. That's all right. In 07, uh, I was standing outside of my Humvee uh, in Afghanistan. And up on a hillside, one of the, one of the hajis popped up over the, over the top of the, top of the ridge and he had a RPG and he shot the RPG down on top of us. Uh, it hit the driver's side, it hit on the driver's side and blew rock and debris and metal all up underneath the Humvee. Nobody inside the Humvee was hurt except me. I was standing on the outside. We were taking a rest break. Everybody else had done finished and I was the last one. And by the time that they got me to the hospital, I had done lost a bunch of blood. Uh, I had 30 pounds of rocks that they dug out of my insides. And I'm still passing rocks every great once in a while. I have um, passed two rocks through my colon and several through my urinary. And I'm still passing them. And every once in a while, my legs will start itching I'll reach down, scratch, and I'll be dang, something pops out. It's another little rock. <laughs> so, you know, I'm still getting rid of rocks from 20 so, years ago. So tell about the miracle that happened that night when you got hands laid on you and then also. Well, at the River Church, uh, we went there before we came here. And at the River Church, they laid hands on me. Whenever the gentleman laid hands on me, I cannot remember his name, great guy. But he laid hands on me. I felt the rush of fire come up and hit me at my, at my feet and then up my body. And it felt exactly like the RPG blast that blew me off my feet. I didn't know if I still had legs or what. Uh, I scared Debbie half to death whenever it happened. And still to this day, whenever I get blown off my feet again, it sometimes feels like that blast. And... I can get down on my knees, to which I haven't been able to do in a while. And y'all seen me get down on my knees? Hallelujah. And it's something I haven't been able to do in quite a while. It's still tough, but I'm able to do it. Hallelujah. And that night, what happened was when we laid hands on you, you said you went home, and it was the first time since going to the river that you began to pass those stones. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus the highest praise. Y'all, there's still miracles today. You know, and I felt this in my spirit. I want to say this before we start preaching, but we have several people. You've come in, and, and I don't know where you've been. I don't know what your life has been has consisted of but i want to read you in psalms chapter one it says oh the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers it says but they delight in the law of the lord and they meditate on it day and night they are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit in each season 
Their leaves never wither, and they prosper. Say prosper in all that they do. And I just want to encourage you. You know, it really doesn't matter where you've been. The Bible says that God, literally it says this in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, that God will take the beggar and set him amongst the palace. Hallelujah. That means that it doesn't matter what hole that you feel like, man, I've wasted my whole life and dug myself in a hole. All it takes, all it takes is one prayer. All it takes is one moment, and the Lord will literally lift you up and lift you out. That's why I had all these people share their testimonies. Because they've came in, they've gotten healed, they've gotten touched, they've gotten blessed. And I felt it so strong in my spirit that for some of you, listen to me, there has to come a moment, the Bible says, that those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night, what will happen? You will be like a tree planted along the river bank. What does that mean? Say, no dry seasons. Say, no dry seasons. Look to your neighbor, say, no valleys. Say, only mountaintops. The Lord says that you'll be like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Say, each season. Your leaves will never wither, and you will prosper in everything that you do. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, God told Joshua, study this book of instruction continually so that you're sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything that you do. I'm here to just tell you this simple thing right now. Again, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've done. And honestly, it doesn't matter because tonight, if you repent and call on the name of Jesus, it says he'll cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. You have to understand that Jesus already paid the price for your sin. We just have to repent and receive it by faith. He'll cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. And then there's a second thing that you must do. Take your life and position it under this word. So what I mean by this is you can't make following God a seasonal thing, a once in a, in a blue moon thing. Maybe I'll go to church once in a blue moon. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll really press in and serve the Lord every once in a while. No, if you'll take your life and position it in the word, uh, underneath the authority of the word, it says that you'll prosper in everything that you do. Y'all, I'm telling you, the Bible says, David said, I was once young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I'm not old. But I can tell you, I just turned 27 years old, and I can tell you the blessing of the Lord is a real thing. That when I gave my life to Jesus, right before my 19th birthday, I've literally watched the Lord heal my family, heal my wife of, of medical diseases, heal us, bless us, open doors that are unimaginable. And I'm telling you, it's for whosoever. It doesn't matter who you are, tonight you can make the decision. And I'm telling you, if you make the decision to follow Jesus and follow this word, your life will not look the same one year from now. Some of you guys, I mean, the things that you could never do, watch, watch, follow Jesus for one year and he'll add a house to you. You're like, man, I've tried the last 10 years to get a house. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, look at this. Y'all still with me tonight? In Matthew chapter 6, he said, seek the kingdom of God. Seek first. Say first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Say all else. 
and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Say all else. If you will take and put Jesus in front of any relationship that you have. Well, I've been trying to date this guy. I've been trying to date that girl. I've been trying to do this thing. If you'll put Jesus in front of any relationship, say all else. If you'll put Jesus in front of your work schedule, well, well you know, I, I can't tell you how many people that we've messaged today that are broken, that are hurt, that are in need of a touch from God. They need the Lord to reach into the pit and forgive them of their sins and put them on the rock to stand. But they say, oh, man, I can't come. I can't. I don't have time for that. i got to go make some money. i got to go do some stuff. If you'll put God and Jesus in this word in front of all things, say everything, and you'll commit your life where you can hold this word up and say, Lord, I commit my life to this word. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be where, who you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Jesus said, if you'll do that and live righteously, say live righteously. That means that you repent of sin. That I, I'm going to tell you, you may have been an addict when you came in here, but you're not an addict anymore in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. You don't have to struggle with that addiction. Well, Brother John, how many of you know, once an addict, always an addict. That's bull poop. The Bible says that we are dead to the power of sin. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in us. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you the power and the fire of God is a very real thing. This isn't religion that we're talking about. This is a person that comes to the Lord who is alive and who's hungry, and who's thirsty, and the resurrected Jesus. The Bible says this, John the Baptist said, one is coming, speaking of Jesus, who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. When you say fire. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God is an all-consuming fire. Say fire. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. In Acts chapter 2, guess what? The Spirit came on them, and it said it came on them like tongues of cloven fire, and it settled on each of them. What happened? The fire of God came on them. The power of God came on them. All of a sudden, little Peter, who was denying Jesus three times in front of a servant girl, is now preaching to 3,000 people boldly, transformed, born again in one moment. Y'all, there's no formula to this. There's no magic, bippity-boppity-boo, I wave a magic wand, and I hit you on the head with the microphone, and then there you go. You got the fire. There's only one type of person that Jesus will pour out his spirit and touch with his fire, and it's a person who is desperate. It's a person who's hungry. It's not the perfect person. When you say, Brother John, you don't understand. I got a lot of things messed up in my life. doesn't matter if you'll get hungry, if you'll get thirsty, and if you'll come to the point of full surrender. I'm telling you right now, you'll lay your life out for the Lord, and he will consume you with a supernatural power, and you won't recognize your own life in one year from now. I'm telling you because I've seen it myself. Hallelujah. You want to know why you come in and if you come to Revival House Church, we just share testimonies. You come into our youth group on Friday night, you're not going to see a bunch of kids that are struggling with drugs, struggling with pornography. Not that they're self-righteous. You're going to see a bunch of kids that are on fire for Jesus Christ. We got kids graduating from high, and there's no condemnation to anybody, graduating from high school that still have their virginity, that still haven't given that up, haven't uh, fallen into that trap. They've kept themselves pure. 
It's not self-righteousness. I'm talking about their lives have been consumed by the fire of God. They're going into schools. They're starting ministries. They're preaching the gospel. How many of you, just by a show of hands, came in today because some 18-year-old kid came knocking on your door at some point? Raise your hand if you came in tonight. One, two, anybody else? Three, four. Oh, there's about four people. Y'all, I'm going to tell you something. And again, I'm not just exalting a person. That's not normal for an 18-year-old to be on fire, out winning souls, preaching the gospel. But that's what the fire of God does. How many of you want that for yourself? Come on, how many of you want that for your children? Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight you ignite a fire in these people. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're desperate. I just ask the Holy Ghost to move powerfully in this place. Tonight, in the name of Jesus. Have your way, Lord. I'm honored to preach this word. It's a privilege, and I don't do so lightheartedly. Father, I ask for boldness to just declare this word unashamed, unadulterated. Lord, I, tonight I give you my commitment. I'll hold nothing back in Jesus' name. And I believe it that tonight it's, there's potential in the room for someone's entire family to be changed. Not just you, not just your life, your family, your children, your children's children. The path that was chosen for you, you're going to choose a different path for your children in the name of Jesus. Whatever you grew up in, your kids aren't going to have to fight the same battles that you fought in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. You believe that? Hallelujah. Give the Lord one shout of praise. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn open to Revelation chapter 2. Before we jump into Bible study, I'm sorry, I just had to flow with the Spirit. I felt that so strong in the Spirit as we were singing and praising and worshiping. Brother James, will you run out in the foyer, grab me a ball of water? Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Y'all excited for the word of God? Yes. Open your heart. The Bible says the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, exposing our innermost thoughts and desires, separating joint from marrow. The Bible says that the Lord sent forth his word and healed them. Y'all, I'm telling you, if you'll open your heart, open your ears, and just, I want you to just do that. Position your heart to hear from the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I will not be offended. Now turn to your neighbor again and say, and you will not be offended. In Jesus' name. All right, Revelation chapter 2. I keep going back to this, and I'm going to tell you, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus appears to a man named John in actually Revelation chapter 1, the last book in the Bible. This is a, our prophetic future, things that are coming. So Jesus appears to this man named John, and he tells them, he says, write these, these seven letters to these seven different churches, and he basically, Jesus is about to give these churches warnings you know, he's telling them, these are the things that you need to keep doing, and these are the things that you need to stop doing. And so, to kind of summarize this for you, uh, 
you know, these letters, yes, they represented literal churches in that time, but this is, this is we need to read this as Christians. Amen. Amen. Say, this is written to me. And so the reason that I feel so strong to go over this is because as I read these letters and I look at the things that Jesus said, I'm convinced that many people, number one, they're not ready to meet the Lord. You know, I don't know if you understand this, but the next event to take place is the rapture of the church. That's the next prophetic event. Uh, prophetic event. There will come a time where the, what is known in the Bible as the Antichrist is revealed and there's total destruction poured out on the earth, but the church won't be here. The next thing to take place is the rapture of the church. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, there's many signs of the second coming of the Lord, but the rapture of the church is known as a signless event. So basically that means that it could literally happen at any moment. Come on. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. It could happen next month. The Bible says that there will be a trumpet blast and that all that have died believing in Christ, they will physically raise from the grave. Hallelujah. And together with them, we will go and meet Christ in the air. The church will catch the, 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 the Jesus, the Lord Jesus will catch the church up into heaven, and then the Antichrist will be released. The spirit of Satan will be released to do whatever he wants to do. If you, if you look at the world around, you can see that starting to take place, the stage being set for that. And so let me just kind of get to the point here. These are seven warnings to churches to be ready. So look in Revelation chapter 2. He said, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks amongst the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things that you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. I've preached on this extensively. My brother James in the back, he brought a great revelation out of this recently. But, you know, there's this doctrine. Some of you may have no idea about this. Some of you that have been in the faith for a long time, maybe you've heard this. But, you know, there's this doctrine floating around. It's called greasy grace. It's called hyper grace. And it teaches everybody that, that you know, God has these Jesus goggles on. And that when Jesus purchased our freedom from sin, he died for not only our past sin, but he died for your present and future sin as well. The reason that that's a problem is that doctrine's being taken to an extent where they say you never need to repent, right? And in fact, even if you sin, God doesn't see it. All he sees is you through these little Jesus goggles. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You have a very hard time when you get to these letters in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. What did he say? I know all the things that Jesus did for you. No, I know all the things that you do. Say that I do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. And he said, I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those that say they are apostles, but they are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Say without quitting. I'm going to tell you this as well, and I'll get to this point. But the only Christian that makes it to heaven... And I'm not trying to be morgue, I'm not trying to be deep and depressed, but I also don't want to lie to you. I don't want to get up here and just give you some cotton candy thing. As I said it before, many people are not ready to stand before Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, in fact, many on that day, talking about the day of judgment, will say to me, Lord, Lord, say Lord. Lord. So automatically understand this. He's not talking about atheists there. The atheists call Jesus Lord? Said no. Is he talking about Muslims? Do Muslims call Jesus the Lord? No, they don't. Do Buddhists call Jesus the Lord? No, they don't. He's talking about professed Christians. Many people who claim to be Christians, and in Texas, how many of you know, everybody's saved, right? You go knocking on the door, and somebody's totally dominated by the devil, but they, they, they just, no, I'm good. I don't need that. I'm right with God. My uncle baptized me in, in a backwoods church when I was seven and a half years old, so therefore, now I'm 60, and I've never lived one day for the Lord, but I, I, I feel confident that I'm ready to meet the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't feel confident about that. Because he said, many will say to me, didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I heal the sick? Let me, let me see a show of hands. Have any of you cast out devils? Well, most Christians really haven't. So apparently there will be Christians that were casting out devils or professed Christians. He says, many of you, did, he, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we heal the sick? And he'll say this, depart from me, for I never knew you. Actually, he says this, depart from me, you who break God's laws. I never knew who you were. So there'll be people that claim Jesus is Lord, but then when he looks at them, he says, I didn't even know you. Hallelujah. Y'all hear the rain coming in? Praise the Lord for the rain. Come on. Great interruption, Lord. We've been praying for rain. So number one, there's a lot of people, they're lost and they know it. Number two, there's a lot of people that think that they're saved because of some idea. Once saved, always saved doctrine. That's not true. There's only two types of Christians. Number one, that, that, that'll make it to heaven or go when the trumpet blasts. And that's a Christian that's on fire. Say on fire. Or a Christian that endures through the end. Say endures. Say never gives up. You, you meet people all the time. You start talking to them about the Lord, and they, how many of you have ever heard this? Well, yeah, I used to go to church about 10 years ago, but a death happened. I understand. Man, I used to go to church about 15 years ago, but I got hurt. Somebody in the church, they, they, they said that, they, that green was really my color, and I happened to be wearing an orange sweater that day, and it really made me mad, so I just stopped going to the church. I stopped going to church. You know, I used to go to church, but I like pecans in my cookies, and they put chocolate chips in the cookies, so I just decided I wasn't going to go there no more. Right? But he says this. He says, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Say without quitting. The only Christian that will inherit heaven is the one that doesn't quit. It's the one that refuses to quit. You know, I'm going to tell you, sometimes things happen. I know horrible things seem to happen in people's lives, but I'm telling you right now, you cannot stop following Jesus. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Maybe that's your story. Well, you don't understand, Pastor John. Somebody died. Maybe my spouse died. Maybe I had a child die. Well, that was not God's plan. That was not God's will. That was not God's best. I don't, I don't want to sit here and pick apart why that happened, but I know who did it. The devil, the enemy who came to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, instead of letting it send you and your whole family to hell, get back on the path and say, just like David said, I will see them again one day. 
My spouse may have died, but I'm going to tell you, it's not for eternity. It's just for a moment. If they died a believer, I will see them again. My child, I will see them again in the name of Jesus. And now since the devil put his hand on my life, I'm going to spend my life making him regret the day that he thought he could touch my family. Come on, somebody. You know, when my wife... Before the Lord healed her, and she had miscarriages. Now we're on our third baby, third girl. Hallelujah. But that's what the devil tries to do. First miscarriage, second, third. It makes you just in your flesh. You're just like, forget this. I just want to quit. But then you got to rise up in the word and in the spirit and say, you know what? This was from the devil. I'm going to figure out what happened. I'm going to figure out. This faith issue, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to attack the devil for all the days of my life. You think you can take from me, Satan? I'm going to lay my hands on everything that walks in Jesus' name. I'm going to attack sickness and disease. I'm going to preach sickness and disease, tell people are sick and tired of hearing about it. Since you thought you could touch me, I'm going to spend my life destroying and unraveling your kingdom. Hallelujah. Say, without quitting. Say, you can't quit. And thank God, if you've quit in the past, there's no condemnation because you're here today. Obviously, God is still calling you. You're not here by accident today. Whatever your story was yesterday, it doesn't have to be today. Today, you can decide to take up the word of God. And every mistake that you've made, he'll cast it as far as the east is from the west. Today's a fresh start for you in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Today you can decide, I will not quit like I've quit in the past. I'm going to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I'll follow. Some of you, you've let that. You've let some negative Nance person, some person being used by the devil deter you. You need to stop going to that church. That's ridiculous. That's so dumb. Stop doing those things. Look at you, holy roller, reading your Bible all the time. Though none go with me, still I'll follow, Lord. If I'm the only one that goes, I'll go. Well, you don't understand, Brother John. My family's really not on board. Though none go with me, still I'll follow. If I'm the only one, I'll go. And then you know what? The Lord will use me to bring salvation in my household. Hallelujah. But he says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Say, do the works. Say, do the works. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place amongst the churches. I don't understand how we can preach things like once saved, always saved, and then what do you do when you come to the verses like that? You have a lampstand, you're saved right now, but I'm giving you a warning. You're heading down a path, and if you don't change that course, I will remove your lampstand. The lampstand that used to be there, it will no longer be there. Are you all still with me? And again, he says, look, you used to love me. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Turn back to your first love. Do the works that you did at first. Guys, I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't have been on fire for God 10 years ago. That's great that you were. Uh, Let me rephrase that. Your life story should not just be the testimony of how you were on fire for God 10 years ago. 
Well, brother, you don't understand. Back, I was there when Brownsville hit, when Pensacola was popping and hopping. That's great. How long ago, how long ago was that? 20 years ago? What does that have to do with today? He didn't say, Jesus didn't say, hey, you're secure because you used to love me. He said, no, you don't love me like you did at first. Say, keep the fire burning. Y'all, I don't understand this idea of Christianity that says I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to pray. I don't need to fast. I don't need to give. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do anything because how many of you know Jesus already did it all? That's a lie that will send people to hell. Jesus did it all, but we have to keep the fire burning. Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift you received through the laying on of hands. We have a responsibility. You know, you got to understand, well, Brother John, you don't understand. I don't really feel like serving the Lord. The Bible says that your flesh will never feel like serving the Lord. That there's a war that's being waged. Your flesh and your spirit, they're constantly fighting against each other. But the Bible says it's by the power of the spirit we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Well, I don't really feel like going to church. How many weeks are you going to miss until you realize that that's a problem? I don't really feel like doing all that stuff. I don't, man, I just really don't feel like it. How, how long until you realize that's a problem? Flesh, that's a problem. You're a liar, and I'm going to force my flesh to comply with the word of God because that those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night shall be like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper. Say prosper and all that they do you got to kick your flesh in the butt sometimes. Hallelujah. You think that even anointed people feel like praying every day? You feel like they feel like seeking the Lord? Anybody ever had kids? Yeah? Anybody remember? I'm in the stage. I, I told somebody yesterday, I said, I can't even imagine life where I don't have small children because it just dominates life. But how many of you remember when you had babies waking up all hours of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, you're like, oh, my gosh. Why has nobody invented a soundproof little bubble that you just put, just cry it out, you'll be okay, you're not starving? Well, I want to tell you, when you've been up all night and then you got to get up, you got to go to work, you got to take care of stuff, are you going to feel like seeking the Lord? No, you're not going to feel like seeking the Lord. You're not going to feel like breathing. But you've got to kick your flesh in the butt. Pray. Oh, my gosh. you got to get in the anointing, get in the spirit. I know. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. I don't know what you know, what you don't know. But I'm just going to tell you this. There is a real baptism of fire of the Holy Ghost, and you have to get it because it changes everything. And then once you get it, you keep your life maintaining it. Hallelujah. Say, Without quitting. Say without quitting. So he said, if you don't repent, I'll come remove your lampstand from its place amongst the churches. But you have this in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to, what the, uh, listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Tonight, I've been preaching on this for the last several weeks. I've been breaking this down verse by verse. 
But I want you to look at verse 6 here. So, again, here's my point. Jesus is warning them. These are things that you're doing right. These are things that you're doing wrong. Apparently, one thing this church was doing wrong is they no longer love the Lord like they did in the beginning. And I, I could just preach on and on and on against this type of Christianity. I don't understand why so many people. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Say fear. You know, there's something Jesus said. Don't fear man who can only kill your body. Fear God who can kill your body and destroy your soul in hell. What do you say? The fear of the Lord. We've totally got that out of people. You know, and I want to say this too. I'm not just trying to preach fear into you. There's a reward for serving God. God's not just some evil dictator that says, I'm God and you're not and you better serve me and you better like it. And if you don't, that just sucks to be you. That's not who God is. It says that you must believe in the book of Hebrews. All who come to God must believe that he is, number one. And number two, he's a rewarder. Say rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. So not only is Jesus the only way, he's the best way. And I'll also tell you this as well. I'm just going by the Spirit right now. Holy Ghost, you just do whatever agenda that I thought I had. I'll just scrap it. I'll just go with you tonight. Jesus said, look at this in John 14. Jesus said, I am the way. Say, the way. I'm going to tell you, there is no other way than Jesus. Jesus is the only way. He said, the truth. Say, the truth. Say, the life. Say, the life. That word is singular. There's only one way to live life. There's only one truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way. Look to your neighbor and say, there is no other way. There is no other way to live life. We didn't create ourselves. God created us in his image and in his likeness. We, were, we are created beings. God made the earth that we stand on. I want you to think about that. This earth, we didn't evolve from monkeys. You know that? I don't even understand that science behind that. That You know, they have to go into so much ridiculousness to try to prove evolution. Oh, we all came from some atomic blast of an atom. The Big Bang, uh, the Big Bang happened. Really, where'd the atom come from? I don't know. There's no answer for where the atom came from. So you'll rather believe in an eternal atom than you will an eternal God? Why do you choose to believe in an eternal atom? Because if there's no God, guess what? Then there's no requirement. There's no accountability. There's no standard. You know that when evolution was first discovered or, or I should say introduced, it was in the early 1900s, it was laughed off the face of the planet. They laughed it out of the room. But you know when evolution took over? In the 1960s in the sexual revolution. People just said, let's just eat, drink, do drugs, and be merry and have sex with whoever we want to. And guess what? They said, well, there's a problem because America is too Christian, and so we need to figure out a way 
to destroy the God of, of the Bible, to destroy the God of America. So let's push this old ridiculous theory of evolution. And because if we came from monkeys, then there is no God. If there is no God, then we can just choose however we want to live and do whatever we want to do. And there's no requirement. There's no standard. There's no accountability. It's false. You know, you even think about that. There's so many things that could, that could debunk the, the whole monkey thing. We came from monkeys. That's so dumb. You think about, even think about homosexuality. The first rule of literal animal kingdom is what? Survive. Protect your species at all costs. Reproduce. If we all came from animals and we all just came from a monkey, wouldn't that mean that, that there would be something hardwired in our DNA not to slaughter babies in the womb? Come on, somebody. It would be hardwired on the inside of us the same. Guess, guess what? But despite what the, the news will try to tell you, two women can't have a baby. Two men can't have a baby. A man can't be pregnant. Come on, somebody. That it doesn't even make sense. What does that tell you then? That it's not a scientific thing. It's a spiritual thing. We are spiritual beings. We have a creator. There is a God. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And we're going to be accountable to this God who is Jesus Christ. Come on. I want you to say, say the way. way. Jesus is the only way. I'm here to tell you. Some of you can testify to this. You've tried living life every other way. Does it work? Does doing drugs work? Man, does, does three divorces, does it work? Does marriage work doing it your way? No, does raising kids work doing it your way? No, it doesn't. There's only one way, and it's God's way. Jesus said, I am the only way, the only truth. Say the truth. We live in a time where they say, you have your truth and I have my truth. Look, let me tell you something. Truth, it's not just subjective. It's not just an opinion. If you say that wall is neon purple and I say it's gray, it's one or the other. It's not both. Because how many of you know it can't be neon purple and gray at the same time? You live how you want to live. I live how I want to live. No, there's one truth. His name is Jesus Christ. And then he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say the life. And again, there's only one way to live life. It's totally surrendered to God's word, to God's way. You want to do marriage right? You want to do marriage the Jesus way? Do marriage the Bible way. Say the Bible way. You know, and you've got to understand this. The Bible says in John 10, 10, again, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life abundantly. Say abundant life. So what kind of life does God want you to have? He wants you to have a blessed life. He wants you to have a prosperous life. He said that you'll lend to many and you'll never borrow. It says in Deuteronomy 28, I'll make you the head and not the tail above, never beneath. Everywhere that you go will be blessed. Everything you do will be blessed. Everything you put your hand to will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. Your fields will be blessed. Your homes will be blessed. He told his people, today I put a choice in front of you, the choice between death and life. Oh, that you would choose life and live. So you have to understand God's intentions for you is to be blessed. 
Man, I'm telling you this, I don't know why. It's because the devil hates it. God wants you to have the best house you could imagine. Get out of religion and think. If, if the Bible says if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those that ask him? If the birds and the sparrows and the lilies of the field, they don't toil, they don't sow and reap and labor, but yet your heavenly father feeds them, how much more valuable are you? Are y'all with me? How many of you would say, I sure would like my children to be blessed? Man, I sure would just do. Parents work five jobs to make sure that their kids don't have to have what they had. They can have better than what they had. If us earthly people who are sinful in in our born nature, not when you're born again, hallelujah, that nature is removed and you get the nature of God. If you desire that, how much more does your heavenly father desire that? Come on. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. God wants you to have the best marriage you could imagine. In fact, the Lord has the best spouse. That's why you don't have to run around. I'm going to tell you, if you're a kid, the place that you look for a spouse is not on Tinder. All right? Hallelujah. Get off those stupid, get out of the the little DMs, get off of Tinder, get off of the apps. And I'm going to tell you, go into the house of the Lord. You know, the Bible says that a man that finds a wife finds a good thing, receives a gift from the Lord, receives favor from the Lord. The Lord wants you to have a spouse, but not just any spouse, right? And why am I saying this? Because this is doing things God's way. Not just any spouse, not just any person that that gives you a little look or a little wink. No, run after the things of God. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know how many times I've seen that where a a woman starts getting on fire for the Lord? I used to work in a drug recovery homeless shelter type of ministry. My whole family did. We would see it happen so many times. A woman you know, or a man, they get on fire for the Lord. They start, they're starting to be blessed. God's starting to move things in their life. And then all of a sudden, guess what? They start getting into an old relationship again with a person that is uninterested in the things of God. And they think, well, I'm just trying to preach to them. Hallelujah. I'm going to get them saved. No, you ain't getting them saved. Come on, everybody knows what's happening in that back parking lot at 930 at night. You're not getting anybody saved. Don't lie. And then what ends up happening? Back into drugs, back into destruction, back into the the, the plan of the enemy, right back into that hand. But when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, what that means is it's not judging, it's not being hateful, it's, it's saying this, unless two agree, how can they walk together? Run forward in the things of God and let the Lord add that to your life. Say the best life. The Lord wants you to have the best job. The Lord doesn't want you struggling to pay your bills. Poverty doesn't come from God. Was there poverty in the Garden of Eden? Was Adam struggling to keep the lights on? No, he he was prosperous. He lived in abundance. I'm going to ask you this. You know, the Bible talks about heaven. Streets of gold. Is, Is God struggling in heaven? Is there any welfare in heaven? Come on. No, there's not. And that Jesus prayed, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
All praise to God our Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. Our God will richly supply all of your needs according to what? His riches and glory as it is in heaven here on the earth. Is there any sick people in heaven? Is there any paralyzed people in heaven? Absolutely not. And that's why Jesus came. It says he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He took our sicknesses. He removed our diseases. God wants you blessed. Come on, say, God wants me blessed. Any of you that are in a pit, God wants you out of that pit more than you want out of that pit. And so, whenever it says Jesus is the way, you have to understand there's only one way to do life, and it's the Word of God. It's according to the Word of God. People say, well, John, that's, that's legalistic. No, it's not legalism. God is the author of life. Guess what, y'all? Let's humble ourselves. He knows what works, and he knows what doesn't work. I'll give you an example of this. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, don't you realize those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin, say sexual sin. What is sexual sin? Sexual sin is a multitude of things. Sexual sin is having sex with a person that you're not married to. Number one, when two unmarried people come together and have sex outside of marriage, that is what's called fornication, that's sexual sin. So guess what? Apparently, you, here, let's tie this together. Those that, w- that do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You cannot commit sexual sin. So you can't be a Christian and run around having sex with everybody. Sexual sin is also you, that you have sex with a person that's in a marriage. Say, well, I'm not married, but they're married. That's adultery. That's sexual sin. Sexual sin is also homosexuality, which it goes on to say here. Those who indulge in sexual sin, worship idols, commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality. You can't be a Christian and practice homosexuality. But here's my point in saying this. Is it that God just doesn't want people to have a good life? He has all these rules and requirements, and he says, I just want to keep you underneath my hand of authority, and I want to strip all enjoyment out of your life? No, it doesn't work. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, it doesn't work. work. Guys, sexual sin doesn't work. Who can testify to that? Having kids with with different men, there's no condemnation if that's the, the trap that you seem to fall into. But you can raise your hand and say, that doesn't work. Children growing up without fathers in the home, it doesn't work. It's not part of God's will. Homosexuality, it doesn't work. Two men can't have a baby. Two women can't have a baby. In fact, if you look historically, any nation, any society that embraced homosexuality imploded from the inside out. The Roman Empire literally embraced and practiced homosexuality. They embraced pedophilia, where not only could you be in same-sex relationships, you could be a man with a wife and have a, a little boy on the side for your pleasure. Guess what happened? The greatest empire in human history, it fell to its knees. You know why? Because it doesn't work. There's only one way that works. Say one way. 
Say it's the word of God. And that's why the Bible says that those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night will be like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Say each season. Whose leaves never wither and they prosper in everything that they do. Say prosper. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise if you believe that tonight. The closer that you walk to this word, the more your life will prosper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to give you, if you're here tonight and you don't have a Bible, I'm going to give you a Bible. I'm going to give you an opportunity, too, in just a moment. The Bible says that all who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead shall be saved. All who call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. If anything that I'm saying, you're sitting here saying, man, that just feels like a punch to the right, a punch to the left. I'm not speaking condemnation over your life at all whatsoever. I'm trying to help you identify the hand of the thief. And all it takes is one prayer, one moment of faith in God. Hallelujah. And God will restore everything back to your life. Are you all with me tonight? God will touch your body. God will touch your family. God will touch your children. Anything that the enemy took, the Lord will restore. In fact, it says that if the thief gets caught, he must return seven times what he stole. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I want you to say this out loud tonight. Say, God wants me blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Look at Deuteronomy 28. A few more minutes here, and I want to pray for you. You know, I've I've painted the picture that Jesus is the only way. And that's a reality. I'm not trying to scare you into Christ. I'm not trying to scare you, you know, and, and by fear, you just kind of religiously now, oh man, I really don't want to, but I don't want to go to hell, so I'll follow Jesus. But I'm telling you the fact, whether you believe it, whether you don't, every single person will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account. Every single person will see his face. There's going to be people that have devoted themselves devoted their lives to the enemy, devoted their lives to sin, and they're going to stand right there, and they're going to look at him, and they're going to have this realization, I'm not ready to stand here. I'm not ready to stand here. I want you to be ready. You know, as I was up here praising Lord and worshiping, I just felt the Lord tell tell me to tell these people, I want to bless them so bad. I want to bless them so much. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but all come to the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. And so there's the reality that Jesus Christ is the only way. But then again, as I've been talking about, there's a blessing for following the Lord. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. That if you'll live a life set apart, 
in pursuing Jesus with everything that you have, I'm telling you, your life won't look like everybody else's life. I can tell you that as a 27-year-old, I could just tell you testimony after testimony, blessing after blessing, open door after open door, healing after healing, glory to glory, strength to strength. How that when we gave our life to Jesus, guys, and I'm not talking about the lethargic, lukewarm, religious Christianity. I'm talking about a person in this room that even if you're catching anything out of all this stuff that I'm throwing out, I know I'm throwing out a lot, but you're saying in your heart, that's me. That has to be me. That has to be my family. That I want to receive what this man is talking about, and I believe the Lord. He did it for him. The Bible says God's not a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for all. Come on, somebody. I've looked at our life, and I can tell you personally, our life is not like everybody else's life. Because the God of the Bible is true. He's real. Jesus is a resurrected God. He's not an idol. That's the difference. Listen to me. The difference between Christianity and any other religion is every other religion can take you to the tomb of their leader. Muslims can take you to the tomb of Muhammad. Buddhists can take you to the tomb of Buddha. But... You know, there's about two to four different tombs that they believe was the tomb of Jesus Christ. And guess what? They all have one thing in common. You know what it is? Every single one of them are empty because Jesus resurrected. He's a, say he's alive. You need to get this in your spirit tonight. The Bible says even to, unto salvation, you must believe in your heart. Say in my heart. You must confess with your mouth. Say my mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Right? But the number two, what? That God raised him from the dead. Why is that important for salvation? Because you understand you're not praying to a dead God. You're not praying to a cloud. You're not bowing before some little statue. I know what the Catholics do. They go pray before a statue. You're not praying to a dead statue that has ears but it can't hear and and little stone eyes but it can't really see. You're praying to a living God who hears your prayers, who hears you, and he is willing to help you and send help. He is willing to bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the difference between Christianity. We serve a resurrected Jesus. I was telling a brother this other testimony. There's power. There's only one name that carries power. It's the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, every demon will bow to that name. You don't believe me? You go home and you start using that name in your home. Man, you don't understand. I got, a, I got an alcoholic man that runs rampant through my house. Why don't you go in that house and start using the name of Jesus like a freaking sword in that place? In Jesus' name, I bind up this spirit. In Jesus' name, I command this to come down. In Jesus' name, you start praying over your kids. They will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Any spirit that is assigned to my children's life to kill them, before they fulfill the call of God on their life, I bind you up in Jesus' name. You do that and you start watching how things begin to turn in your life. You got to believe that there's power in that name. Most Christians know. Most Christians, oh, we don't pray at all. Or when it comes down, Father, Daddy God, I just pray um, if, if you'd be willing. Like that's how people pray. And guess what? Nothing happens. And then nothing happens. And then what do they think? Oh, I guess that that part of the Bible isn't true. And, and we start reinventing the scripture. No. 
The Bible says in Luke 10, 19, I've given you all authority over the power of the enemy. The name's been given the name of Jesus. He said, you can ask anything using that name, and it will be given to you. Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Say, the name of Jesus carries power. You just start speaking over your own life in that name, and watch what happens. Brother John, you don't understand. I've had an illness ever since I was a child. I've had this uncurable disease. Why don't you start speaking to it in the name of Jesus Christ? Why don't you stop complaining to the devil about your mountain and about your problem and do what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 22-24. You can speak to the mountain and command it to move. And if you believe the things which you say and do not doubt in your heart, you will have the things that you say. Say, speak to the problem. In Jesus' name. Brother John, you don't understand. I've been struggling financially. We don't have enough food to eat. We're just constantly in this cycle of struggle. Why don't you sow a seed and then begin to call for the harvest in Jesus' name? The Bible says the justice of God cannot be mocked. You'll always reap what you sow. Right? Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, those that sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those that sow generously will reap generously. And that God will multiply you and increase you in every way so that you can always be generous. Sow a seed, stand on the word of God and say, now in Jesus' name, I break the back of poverty. We will not be poor in Jesus' name. We will not be broke in Jesus' name. Our bills will be paid in the name of Jesus and believe that everything in the universe has to comply with that name. I want you to say, say the name of Jesus carries power. I have a brother, he was visiting Sunday. He's gonna be going to Pakistan soon to preach the gospel. And he was talking about you know, just uh, doing miracles and laying hands on sick people. And I told him a story. There was a man named T.L. Osborne. He went to India where they served many gods. And this is what he did, you know, and he was asking the Lord, how do I reach these people? And so while he was preaching, it was just maybe like even some of you, nothing was really maybe clicking. I don't know. But this is what he did. He said, all right, I want the sickest person. Who's the sickest in the whole crowd? Come on up here person came up. I don't know if they were crippled. I don't know what the the situation was. But he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over this body. And I'm going to pray in the name of Sheba. Sheba was one of their gods. So he prayed in in the name of Sheba. Nothing happened. He said, all right, now I'm going to pray for this God in the name of Allah. The name of Allah. Nothing. Name of Buddha. Nothing. He prayed through all, went through all these God's names. Nothing happened. He said, now I'm going to in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, woman, be well. Woman, be healed. And she stood up straight, and she was completely and miraculously healed, and the whole crowd came rushing forward to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Why? Because Jesus is alive. He's resurrected, and he'll help you. But here's the, there's one stipulation. You say, man, this just seems too easy. Brother John, you mean that, that I can just come up and, and you can pray this little bippity-boppity-boo Cinderella magic fairy godmother prayer and everything will be fixed in my life? I can't do anything. Jesus can touch your life. But again, there's only one stipulation. You have to be hungry. You have to be thirsty. 
Jesus said, all who are hungry and thirsty, come to me. Any of you hungry, any of you thirsty, he said, I'll give you a drink. I'll give you living water. You'll never thirst again. You know, so for some people, they'll hear what I'm saying tonight, but I get, they just may not be sick and tired. Uh, uh, they're not sick and tired enough of being sick and tired quite yet. But when you come to that point of desperation, Lord, I'm hungry, Lord, I'm thirsty, Lord, I'm willing to lay my life down. Look at Luke chapter 14. Are y'all with me tonight? Is this helping anybody? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. So imagine this, people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we want to follow you. And he didn't preach no cotton candy. All right, no problem. You know, Jesus wasn't running around trying to do everything he could to get people to like him. I better not say anything offensive because then they won't follow me. Then they won't come to church. Then they won't. No, he was the truth. And the thing about the truth is it's the truth whether you like it or whether you don't like it. It is the truth. And it's not his job to make you like it. It's your job to accept it and to humble ourselves. So they came and said, Lord, we want to be your follower. We want to be your disciple. And he said, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. Another account in the gospel says you must take up your cross. Deny yourself. Say deny myself. Take up your cross. Say, take up my cross and follow Jesus. What does it mean to deny yourself? You take your plan. You take your agenda. You take your will. You take your, Lord, I really like this relationship, but I know that it's not from you. I know that it's not godly. So what am I willing to do? I'm willing to, by comparison, hate everybody else and lay down everything. Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Well, how many of you know? Oh, man, I can't do that. I've, if the Lord were to call me to do this or to do that, I can't do that. My whole family's around here. I'll go wherever you want me to go, even if I go alone, Lord. I can testify that the Lord moved me down here and my wife down here by ourselves. And guess what? Within a couple of years, my whole family was moving down after us, joining the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. You know, the best thing, the best plan that you can ever have for your children is get them saved and get them full of the fire of God. Let's stop pumping our kids' heads full of these stupid lies. You just need to go to a university that's designed to make you hate God, I might add, and get a little piece of paper. And if you get this piece of paper, you'll be successful in life. Are you kidding me? I know people with PhDs that went without work for two years. Don't build your life on a piece of paper on a, on a pursuing after the wealth and the things the world has to offer you. Teach your children to serve the Lord and to love Jesus. Where they literally say, Lord, I'm not just going to go to some random place, some random school, do some random job or some random thing. I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. Hallelujah. If that's Bible college, I'll go. If that's the workforce, I'll go. If that's being a missionary in Indonesia, I'll go, Lord, where you call me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll be what you call me to be. I'll say what you call me to say. But he says, you must by comparison hate Everyone else, even your own life, otherwise you cannot. Say cannot. 
Did he say it would be hard? Did he say otherwise it may be hard? No, he said otherwise you cannot. This is the one stipulation to following Jesus. You have to fully surrender. Come on, people. Y'all with me? Y'all, I'm so sick of seeing people get blessed and then you don't see them again. People get touched, people get healed, people get delivered. People go on a journey for their whole life and it goes negative. They show up to the house of God, they get financially blessed, they get spiritually blessed, they get a touch from the Lord, and then what happens? You never see them again. Why do you never see them again? Because they were not willing to lay their life down after they got the touch and say, now Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Even if it costs me everything, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. You cannot be my disciple if you don't carry your own cross and follow me. You cannot say cannot. There's only one type of Christianity in the Bible. It's full surrender. Well, I don't want to be that Jesus freak because what about my best friend Bubba? If I start being that Jesus freak, he's going to think that I'm weird. And who cares what he thinks? You must humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll lift you up. Jesus, the Lord has to become, number one, Lord, I'll serve you, and I don't care how foolish I look. Y'all, I know that I'm preaching to people because we still have Christians that are afraid to worship God in the church house. Well, we're going to praise the Lord, you know, and it's like, you know, you got Christians, most of the, well, I'm just going to stand here. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll, you know, instead of just being a, I'm just going to be free. I'm going to dance like David danced. The David danced before the Lord. I'm thankful. I'm going to give God a sacrifice of praise. But then they say, no, I'm not willing to do that. Why? What if I look stupid? Who cares if you look stupid? Why don't you die to the opinions of man? Paul said that if I wanted to please people, I'd not be a servant of Christ. Come on, you've got to die to man's opinions. Turn to your neighbor and say, I die today to your opinion of me. Turn to your other neighbor and say, today I die of your opinion of me. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. That'll set you free. The Bible says that if God be for you, who can be against you? Well, you don't understand. I'm a woman, and since I'm a woman in this country, I'm oppressed. Really, if God be for you, I don't care who's against you. No man can stand against the man or woman who God is for. I've seen, you know how many people have tried to shut this place down and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed? Because they can't. You know why they can't? Because if God is for us, who can stand against us? This place... We never shut down during COVID-19. We will never shut down, whether it's COVID, donkey pox, monkey pox, polio. I don't care what it is. We won't shut down, and no government can make us shut down because if God be for us, they cannot stand against us. Because when you begin to fight against who God is for, you find yourself fighting against the living God who's resurrected, who will humble a man. In his tracks. Hallelujah. You must be willing to deny yourself. Hallelujah. Y'all, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not just preaching this horrible, oh, it's it's the best life you could possibly imagine. Jesus said, again, seek first my kingdom above all else and live righteously. I'll give you everything that you need. 
You serve me. You struggled your whole life not being able to pay rent. You serve me, and I'll pay your rent personally, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You struggled your whole life driving a car that was beat up, held together by bumper stickers, and had an expired license plate that's two and a half years old. You serve me, and I'll add a card to you. Man, I'll cause men to give liberally unto you. You get inside my favor, says the Lord. You get inside my blessing, says the Lord. I'll speak to a man. If I got a column from the north, south, east, and west, they'll come drop a car right in your lap, a car you could have never even bought. They'll come drop property in your lap. The Lord, when, the, when you're under the Lord's favor, you're like Elijah. Say, never run dry. Never run Say, constant provision. Constantly. There was a man in the Bible named Elijah. The Lord told him to go to the brook Kareth, and the Lord fed him by the river. He drank of the river, and it says birds flew in provisions. Ravens flew in provisions. Man, I'm going to tell you, that's what life looks like under the hand of God. Well, my boss isn't really wanting to give me a raise. Well, did God call you to be there? If you can say yes, then it doesn't matter what your boss thinks. If the Lord has to fly it in on the raven, he'll fly it in. He'll get it to you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. And then in the story of Elijah, when the brook Kareth dried up, guess what he did? He sent Elijah to a widow at Zarephath. And what happened? She fed him. He a miracle took place. Her bread and her flour and oil multiplied, and they had plenty of food to eat. Say constant provision. That's life under the hand of God. Say blessing to blessing. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. Praise you, Jesus. I'm going to tell you too. Let me just say this in John chapter 15. I am the true grapevine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. Say even more. Even more. So think about this. We just read in Psalms 1, you'll be a tree planted by the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Say each season. Your leaves never wither and you prosper in everything that you do. So if you walk according to the word of the Lord, the Bible promises, guarantees that you'll be blessed, that you'll prosper. Are you with me? But not only will you prosper, Jesus said, I prune you so that you produce even more fruit. Say even more. So that means year two is going to be better than year one. Year three is going to be better than year two. Year five is going to be better than year three. Year 10 is going to be better than year five. I'm tired of hearing these stories about how I used to serve the Lord and I used to experience revival. The older you get, the more on fire you should be. You've had more time with them. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? Because it just gets better and better and better and better and better. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, the word of God, it says, is our armor and our protection. It's a sword. Let me tell you a testimony Again, in Psalms chapter 1, it says each season, does it not? You'll bear fruit in each season. Your leaves will never wither. You'll prosper. Back in 2020, you, heard a lot, you had a lot of churches shutting down. You had a lot of churches that, you know, the government started handing out loans. Oh, you're a ministry, and you can't afford to keep your doors open. Here, we'll give you $100,000 to pay your payroll, to do the things that you need to do. And I'm telling you, what a trap. We, never, we would never take anything like that. And in fact, Abraham wouldn't either. He said, 
He would not take anything from the king. He said, lest people think that the king made him rich. He said, no, people are going to see that my life's marked by the, the living, true God. So we would have refused that. We never took that. But you constantly heard nothing but sob story. Oh, we're having to lay people off. Oh, we're having to shut down. Oh, we're having to just move to online services. You know, a lot of churches, they move to online services, and they never move back from online services. You know, what ended up happening? They deplenished, and their life was nothing but a constant negative story of how horrible things were, how horrible the recession was, how horrible the lockdown was. I'll tell you, one day I was driving my car in the car wash, and we got out, and I started talking to this lady. I was witnessing to her, and I said, how are things going for you? And she began to go through, man, this year's been really hard, and, you know, all this stuff. And she looked at me, and she said, how are things going for you, you know, with the tears in her eyes, like ready for a sob story? I said, man, things have been going great. And she just like, what? Things have been awesome. And she looked at me and said, well, that's different. That's exactly what she said. And then I began to just tell her how good the Lord had been in 2020 and 2021. And I'm telling you, right there in that car wash, she started like, woo, woo, man, I don't know. I, think, I feel like I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Right. She was getting filled with faith just right there by the testimony of the Lord. You remember that, honey? And I'll tell you, because when everybody else's story was, man, this is so hard. This is just a, a time of recession, and we're really having to struggle. I went back to the Word, and I said, no, Lord, you said that we'll prosper in every season. Say every season. I said, so is this a season? Yes, it is. If it's a season, that means that I'm supposed to prosper. Hallelujah. I said that in 2020. Then when 2021 rolled around, I went to John 15 and said, not only are we to prosper in this season, you said that you would prune us so that we produce more fruit. So in 2021, I said, Lord, we're going to prosper more in 2021 than we did in 2020. And guess what we said in 2022? We're going to prosper in 2022 more than we did in 2021. And we've seen the Lord do nothing but take us from glory to glory. And you're going to see in 2023 we're just getting started hallelujah come on who's a part of that praise the lord jesus hallelujah i want to pray for everybody we're actually going to baptize right after the service and and, and you know we, that's something that god's been doing here at this church over the last several Months, we've been baptizing a lot of people. People are coming in off the streets. They're getting saved. They're getting baptized. And I had the privilege of ministering to a sister a few days ago. And, and you know, we could do what other churches do. Let's, let's make just a, a list for two or three months, and let's get a lot of people together. And then we can have a really good picture of, like, 10, 20, 15 people getting baptized all at once. That's all great. But I just feel such an urgency in my spirit. No, these people are hungry. They need to get saved. They need to, you know, the baptism, water baptism of repentance. They need to get water baptized, lay their life down to follow Jesus Christ. And the Lord said, I'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. Don't wait. Don't wait. And so that's what Philip did. Philip was preaching to a eunuch. He didn't say, here, let me invite you to a baptism service. He said, hey, look, there's a pool of water right there. Pull over and let's do this thing. And the dude got baptized. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you, don't hesitate, don't wait, don't delay. Today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day of change. Your life could have been one way when you came in here, and you can leave on a total different path. 
Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.